Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you today as we begin a new worship series simply called Envision, where we're going to talk about the vision of this church, what it is that guides us towards God's future, how it is God is leading us towards God's preferred future for this particular community of faith. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about this vision because it really helps us to envision where God is leading us and how God is calling us. But it all starts with mission, right? That is, say, who we are the very purpose of our existence as a congregation. We as Treach Memorial United Methodist Church exist for one reason, and that is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus, right? That's why we exist. Uh, all of our administrative bodies quote that and, and talk into it every time they gather. Uh, our paid ministry team reflects on that and reviews that every time we gather as well. It becomes a filter through which decisions are made, and it helps us to be guided by God's Spirit every single day. It's who we are, right? The mission, leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Then we have what we call values, and values are kind of those, those things we hold near and dear, those things that we lift high, the things that we believe that we want to emulate on a regular and consistent basis. And those values are biblical relevance, radical love, and servant ministry. And we believe that those three values are what guide everything that we do. They are the way in which we help lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Biblical relevance means we believe in God's Word, we hold it near and dear, we want to make it relevant to our lives. Radical love means we love people the way Jesus loves them, and servant ministry means we do what it is Jesus calls us to do, right? These are parameters. They are pillars. They are the things that guide us every step of the way. It's why they're literally on the back walls here, mission, who we are, values what we do, right? Those always remain the same. Those keep us going, and they guide everything that we do and say. They also help lead us into God's desired future we call a vision, right? Because a vision for any organization, of, uh, no matter for-profit or non-profit, whether church or other entity, a vision is kind of a preferred future, right? It's the way we want to go. It's the uh, point that we want to end up at. It's a desired outcome. That's a vision for any organization. We have a vision as well. We believe that this mission, leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus, and these values of biblical relevance and radical love and servant ministry guide us towards a preferred future that God wants for us. And that vision is quite simply this. We envision a community where people matter, where brokenness is healed, and where love is lived. We believe Jesus guides us into that. Because of Christ, everybody matters, right? God wants everyone to know of the love of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, we know that He came to, bro to heal the brokenness in the world. And because of Christ, we want to serve just like Him. We want to help alleviate suffering. We want to serve the community. We want to help lift high the cross by being in service to the world, right? God envisions this community, not just us, not just Treach, but this region, this area, this part of God's world. We want to help build God's kingdom. Because when all is said and done, that's what this language is about. This envisioning of people matter and brokenness is healed and uh, love is lived is sort of modern language for building God's kingdom, bringing God's love into the world. It is, after all, what we're supposed to do, right? I mean, Matthew says in chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God, right? This is what we're supposed to do. This is what we claim to do. Mark's gospel tells us that Jesus said, I, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent, believe in the good news. The kingdom is here. That's what Jesus brought, right? Luke's gospel in the 17th chapter says that the kingdom of God is within. 
that we can help make this real and possible if only we will not only believe it, but that we will act on it. This is what God envisions for us so that we can help build God's kingdom. So over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about what this means. What does it mean that people matter? What, what does it look like that brokenness can be healed? How is it that we can indeed uh, love people and live this love out in a very real and tangible way? That's what we're going to spend some time on over these next several weeks because it's what God is leading us into and how we want to recreate this part of the world in God's desired outcome, right? So today we're going to talk about how is it that people matter? What does that look like, and how do we live that out? And there's, of course, several stories in the Gospels. Jesus made people matter every day. Everything that he did, everything that he taught, everything that he said helped people to realize that they mattered. And when people matter, lives are changed. They realize that something is real about who they are and the ways in which God is active in their lives. One of my favorite stories that helps identify this is a story that many of us may know, and if you haven't heard this story, I hope that it will be a blessing to you this day. It's from Luke chapter 19. If you've got your Bibles, whether on your phone or in your hand, I want to encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 19. It is the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a wee little man, a wee little man is he, right? Remember? This is his story, and he's going to help us better understand how it is that he matters and you matter and I matter, and all people matter. Here's how it goes. He, meaning Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. That will become important in just a minute. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. A wee little man was he, right? So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass by that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to the, be the guest of one who is a sinner. And they said it with gusto. You can feel it. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of all my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. What a great story, right? What a powerful image of what it means for people to matter. What a great way for us to better understand who God is calling us to be. So Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Tax collectors were of a special breed, just like they are today, right? We all love our tax collectors, right? We all love those who take our money for the betterment of the government, right? We, no, we don't, right? None of us does. None of us likes to pay taxes. We know they're needful. We know that they serve purposes, uh, but we don't like to pay them. I mean, if there is somebody in this house that wants to pay taxes, raise your hand. No, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But in biblical days, in Jesus' day, um, people particularly hated tax collectors because they were cheaters. They were scammers. They were frauds. 
They literally took your money more than what was due, and they used it for their betterment. It's one of several reasons I feel confident that Zacchaeus was a wealthy man, because he was a tax collector. And if you happen to have been Jewish and a tax collector, you were really a special breed, and no one liked you because you were a traitor to everybody, right? And if you were a Roman citizen collecting taxes, we just didn't want to like you, and we despised who you were, and we recognized we didn't want to have anything to do with you. Zacchaeus was one of these. He was a tax collector. Nobody wanted to be around him. Nobody wanted to spend time with him. Nobody liked him. Nobody appreciated who he was. And I'm convinced that among several reasons, he climbed that sycamore tree, not just because he was short, but because nobody wanted to be around him. And he knew it, right? Tax collectors are of a special breed of sinning. It happens several times in the Gospels that when uh, sinners are described, they're set apart from the tax collectors. Reflect with me, if you will, when, when Jesus calls Matthew, who was a tax collector, to be a disciple, uh, some of the gathered people were uh, aghast. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 11, it just says, when they saw this, the Pharisees, they, they couldn't believe themselves. And they said, he sits with these people. Why does he call and, and spend time with sinners and tax collectors? And that's how special a breed of sinner they were, right? They have their own classification. Nobody wanted to be with him. Nobody liked him. And everybody was glad that he climbed the tree and got out of their way, and they didn't have to deal with him. It begins this journey of trying to discover how it is Jesus will help Zacchaeus know that he matters. Because everybody else was sort of uh, metaphorically pointing a finger at him. They were saying of him, either under their breath or to their friend, or maybe even to him, I don't know, but we don't like you, you're a scoundrel, and we don't want anything to do with you. And we become pretty good at that, don't we? We like to point fingers at folks who are different from us, or uh, sin differently from us, or look different from us, or are different from us. We like to point fingers. In fact, I like to say it this way, we, we all kind of have a special kind of bad behavior that we like to point out, don't we? I mean, we all know we're sinners. We all recognize that we fall short. But by golly, we kind of like it when somebody else does it better than us. And so we point that out. And that was happening with Zacchaeus as well. And so I become fascinated with how it is Jesus responds to this, right? Because the very thing that Jesus does is help us to know that Zacchaeus matters. Even though everybody else hates him, even though he is quite literally a scoundrel, I mean, it's a known fact, right? He does things wrong. He clearly is a sinner and a special breed of one. But the very first thing Jesus says publicly to everybody gathered is, Zacchaeus, I must be with you in your house today. Wow. It, it was as if... Jesus was compelled to do this, right? In other words, it was as if Jesus had to do this. I must go to your house today. And when Jesus says that, you just have to know that is a powerful statement on so many different levels, not the least of which is to say to everybody gathered, hey, he may be a scoundrel, but I'm going to eat with him today. I just need you to know this guy matters. Now, notice Jesus made no comments about his behavior. He, he didn't make any public statements about how he had cheated people or how he had defrauded people. I think everybody in the community knew this, right? Jesus didn't need to speak it. But what he did speak was, I'm going to go to his house. Because without saying it, he was saying, this guy matters. He matters to God. 
He is a child of God. He needs some kind of care and love, and so I must go. And it's the whole way Jesus operates, right? Jesus is compelled to help people know that they are cherished and that they are loved, that they are valued and worthy. And his statement makes that abundantly clear. It is the kind of thing Jesus does. He is compelled to do the right thing, right? In Luke's gospel, in the fourth chapter, it's when Jesus begins his ministry, according to Luke, and he, he stands up in the temple, and he reads from uh, Isaiah, and he begins to say, hey, this is me, and I'm going to do all this, and then they, they throw him out on a rail. They want to throw him over the edge of the community, but he then goes into ministry. And near the end of chapter four in Luke's gospel, um, Jesus says this thing that's pretty powerful. He's, he's, he's being challenged about where he should go and how he should be in ministry. And in the 43rd verse, Jesus says this, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, not only here, but elsewhere. In other words, I'm compelled to share this. This is my purpose. This is my promise. I am compelled, he says. Everything Jesus did was about building God's kingdom. He would teach about it. He would speak about it. He would live it. It was everything that he did. And in Luke's gospel, he just makes that abundantly clear. This is what I'm to be about. I'm to be about God's good work. I'm compelled to do it. For those of us who follow Jesus, we are compelled to do the same. We are compelled to build God's kingdom. We are compelled to share the good news that God is love, that God wants you to know you are loved, that God wants other people to know that they are loved, that they matter that they are cherished by God. In fact, when pushed a little bit, Jesus would tell us more than once, I, I haven't come to abolish the law. I've, I've come to fulfill the law, right? I've come to fulfill all that has been spoken and all that has been laid out in the Torah, the law of God. But the way in which Jesus fulfilled it was kind of unique. It wasn't to the letter of the law. It was for the spirit of the law, right? So much so that when he is pushed about what is the greatest commandment, what is it that God has said that is the greatest thing that we must do? Of the 613 laws, there surely must be something you say is the greatest, and you will remember. Jesus says, well, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and your being, right? And the second is just like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And then I love the way Matthew put it. Matthew said this in verse 40 of chapter 22, on these hang all of the law and the prophets. All of the law and the prophets? Everything hangs on these two? And these two are about love, love of God and love of people? Yeah, that's the way this works, Jesus would say. And if indeed that's true, then not only does God matter, but people matter. Because we can't love God and we can't love others unless we love ourselves and love God, right? People matter, even people like Zacchaeus, who was highly despised, considered a sinner among sinners, right? So what I begin to glean from this is if Jesus is compelled to make people matter, if Jesus is compelled to help us love God with everything we've got and love our neighbors ourselves, I wonder if it's not true that our values 
of biblical relevance and radical love and servant ministry if our values don't compel us to make people matter? I believe they do. I believe if this is relevant, people matter. I believe if Jesus loved radically, then people matter. I believe if Jesus served the world, then people matter. That's what Jesus is trying to convey today with Zacchaeus, who was highly despised. And of course, everybody, when they see this, when when Jesus goes to eat with Zacchaeus, when, when they are together, the people start casting metaphorical stones, right? He is eating with a sinner. Can you believe he would do such a thing? Because we're really good at pointing fingers, aren't we? Because we religious folk sometimes choose rightness over relationship. And it gets us in a quagmire because we're not 100% sure how that all works. But what I can assure you is every single time that the Gospels speak and teach and help us understand who Jesus is, every single time, without exception, Jesus chooses relationship over rightness because he chooses to fulfill the law of God, which from its infancy, we're told in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, is about relationship with God and neighbor. And therefore, the fulfillment of the law is that we make sure that people matter, brokenness is healed, and love is lived, see. But it agitates some of us religious folk because we want people to do the right thing. We want people to say the right thing. We want people to be right. There's nothing wrong with that. That is biblical too. But when we choose that rightness over relationship, we've given up the way of Christ because every single time, without exception, Jesus always chooses relationship over rightness. It wasn't right for him to talk with the woman at the well and to offer her living water, but it was a relationship-building experience. It wasn't right for him to tell anybody to go away when the woman caught in adultery was about to be stoned to death, but it was about building a relationship with her every time, you see whether it was the woman who had a flow of blood, whether it was Jairus' daughter, whether it was the lepers, whether it was the man born blind. Name a story. Name an instance where Jesus chose law over people. It doesn't exist because he knew that people mattered. And even a scoundrel like Zacchaeus, who everybody hated and knew did the wrong thing and broke the law of righteousness, even he mattered to God. It is a powerful story, isn't it? And we're not even done with it yet. Because notice, when Zacchaeus realized that he mattered, when he discovered that God in Jesus loved him even him, his behavior changes, seemingly instantly, 
right? He is the scoundrel tax collector who clearly has overcharged and stolen people's money and uh, defrauded people of their wares. But instantly, because he now knows that he is a man of worth, that God loves even him, that he is valuable to all around, specifically God, he begins to say, I'll give half of my wealth to the poor. If I have defrauded anyone, I will pay back four times as much. I, I, I haven't ever done the math, but I'm like, how, how, how would you even have any money left? You're going to give away half to the poor. You're going to pay back four times as much to anybody you've defrauded. And oh, by the way, I bet there's been a bunch of people you defrauded. A part of what we discover in this is that not only has he become a man of value and worth and matters to God, but that we discover that it's that mattering that changes his heart, that changes his understanding of who he is. You know what the law said? The letter of the law said that uh, what Zacchaeus needed to pay back? If we go to the law, to Leviticus chapter 6, it literally says in the law in Leviticus chapter 6 that if you defraud anybody, if you, if you uh, falsely uh, witness to something, you should pay back one-fifth as much. He's going to pay back four times as much. He has been radically transformed through what it is that just happened because he now matters to God. And what we begin to glean, I think, from this is that when we help people know that they are loved, when we help people know that they matter to God, lives are transformed. I, I, I would say it like this. When people matter more than rules, lives are transformed. I bet for many of us in this room, the whole reason we chose to follow Jesus was because somebody helped us to know that we were loved by Jesus. And because we realized we were loved by Jesus, we wanted to follow Him, and we wanted to do His will, and we wanted to walk in His ways. But notice what came first. Somebody loved us. Somebody helped us to know that we mattered. Somebody taught us that God is love. And then the transformation began, right? That's what happened to Zacchaeus. And you've seen it, and I've seen it hundreds of times. This is what happens when people matter to God. And then, perhaps the best part of the story Jesus wraps it all in a beautiful bow, and he says, Today, salvation has entered this house, for he is a child of Abraham. What he means by that is he now has faith. He now trusts in God. He now realizes there's something worthy of my attention. There's something worth following. Salvation has come your way. It's not unlike the words that Jesus shared with the woman who rained down tears on his feet and washed his feet with her hair because she was so grateful for his forgiveness that it transformed her heart. And Jesus would say of her in Luke chapter 7, verse 50, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You see, Zacchaeus had faith this day simply and solely because Jesus loved him. 
made him of worth and value to everybody around. Did he deserve it? No. Did he go through all of the rituals to get there? Not really. But did he get there? He did. Because he was first loved. And then he accepted. And then he was saved. What a powerful story. It is the whole reason we want others to know of Jesus. It's the way he works. It's his vision, you see. It's, it's the vision of the kingdom. The vision of the kingdom of God is that people know that they are loved and cherished and that God wants the very best for them. And we can help them understand it. If, if this is Jesus' vision, it ought to be our vision too, right? He envisions a community where people matter, where brokenness can be healed, and where love is lived in tangible ways. But this people matter thing is tough. It's tough because people do stupid stuff. It's tough because people have different values than us. It's tough because people do things we don't agree with. It's tough because we're people. And we don't like them, or we don't like that, or we don't like this, right? And how, how then are we to live this out? And how, are we to, how, do we, how do we reach this goal? Well, first we follow Jesus, and we follow his teachings, and we love him with our whole heart, soul, and mind. And that helps us to love people who we don't like, who we don't care for, who sometimes rub us the wrong way, who sometimes do things with which we deeply disagree. I bet you that was true for Jesus. I, I bet if I were a betting man, I didn't buy a lottery ticket this week, did you? Don't answer that. I bet Jesus disagreed with a lot of the people he loved. I bet there were values that they held that he desperately disagreed with. I bet there were things that they, they did that he felt were sinful. But he loved them. And he did it because he envisioned what it could be like if they were loved and knew what that love was. And that's what happened with Zacchaeus. So I want to just offer a couple of suggestions. There, it's not an exhaustive list by any stretch, but I do think it can help us get down the road just a little further of making sure that people know that they matter just the way Jesus wants them to know that they matter. One is simple. Let's just, when we enter into conversation with folks, whoever they are, whether work colleagues or family members or close friends or neighbors or church members, Let's intentionally listen as people share their story and their life and their understanding and who they are, rather than listening to respond and tell them how wrong they are. Let's listen to just understand. Let's listen to hear. Let's listen to value who they are as a human 
being made in the image of God. If we can listen, we can hear better, we can understand better, and we can know reality better if we'll just listen. It's hard, but it's doable. The second is, I think, if we'll just um, enter into a deliberate relationship building, man, um, sometimes I don't want to be in relationship with certain people. I just don't. I, I don't like them. I don't like what they do. I don't like what they stand for. I don't like how they live their lives. But if Jesus had chosen to do that, what would, what would we be? Where would we be? If we just deliberately choose to honor somebody by acknowledging that they're a human being and maybe spend a little bit of time just getting to know them. I know every single time I've chosen to do that, I've never been disappointed. But I have to choose to do it first. I have to choose to want to be in relationship with you. I have to choose to want to engage you and to discover whatever's real for you and to know that God loves you just like God loves me. The third way is quite biblical and quite ancient, actually, in, in all of its ways, but, man, it sometimes gets lost in our modern world, and, and that's this. We ought to seek to understand you more than me being understood. You know, part of when we listen to respond and tell you how wrong you are, that's, I want you to understand me. I want you to understand what I know. I want you to understand how I've righted that wrong or done this thing or taken care of that issue, right? That, that's what that is, and that means I want you to understand me. That's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is to seek to understand more than being understood. If you want a modern analogy, uh, just reflect on uh, uh, Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Number five, seek to understand rather than to be understood. If you want a more ancient understanding, go back about a thousand years to the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi, in part which says, seek not so much to be understood as to understand. You see, Jesus always tried his level best to understand your circumstances. Why was it somebody was going to kill you with a stone? Why was it you were looking for living water? Why was it that you were born blind? Jesus always sought to understand. And I, I know we know this, but this world would be such a better place, kingdom-like, if we sought to understand rather than be understood. And then the last one's probably the most challenging because it, it requires changed behavior, environments with which we're unfamiliar. And I simply say that we do it this way. We look for opportunities to find culturally unique experiences to us. For all of us, that's different, right? I mean, we're all different, but Maybe that means, you know, participating in something in Black History Month, or maybe it means going to Cinco de Mayo, or maybe it means gaming with a young adult. 
right? I mean, it's different for all of us, but a part of what it means is it says, I value you as a person. I want to do something with you. I want to seek a different experience. I want to know something different because when I do, I understand you better. And I'm more willing to listen to you. And I'm more willing to be in a relationship with you. You see, all of those things help make people matter. I, I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that some decades ago, I discovered that I mattered to God. You somehow realized that you mattered to God. That's why you're here. God loves even you, even me. That means that people matter. And what Jesus envisions for us is that we help those whom we may not have even encountered yet, but maybe we even know as a neighbor or a friend or a work colleague or a family member. They matter. They matter to God. They ought to matter to us. But the reality of God's world is that they matter. This is Jesus' vision. It's his vision for the kingdom. It's his vision for us. I pray we can envision that community to build God's kingdom right here where people matter. Brokenness will be healed and love will be lived. Thanks be to God that we can be a part of making that real. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, for the powerful ways that he helped Zacchaeus and so many others know that they mattered. We give you thanks. And we pray, God, that we might take this lesson from Zacchaeus to our own hearts and collectively as a body of believers, as a family of faith, as a community of followers of Jesus, that we might make that vision real. We might help people to know that they too matter. And that, that because they discover that reality, because we've helped them to see it and know it, that they may want to follow you. They may want to live for you. They may want to love you with their whole hearts. And then God together, we just keep building brick by brick by Rick, step by step by step, the kingdom that you have called us to. God, may we be compelled, like Jesus, to love people the way you first loved us. God, this is our prayer, and we lift it in the name of Jesus, whom we know to be the Christ. Amen.